of the, the sort of lines that haunted me was was Louise saying to her mother, I think fairly early on, do, do you really think that I've I've become isolated? Right. And almost speaking to herself or speaking into her. Yeah. Um, but it, those geographically, I guess those towns are quite isolated, as, as you were saying. But what what brought on the other side? What brought those those places? Originally, together? yeah, the railroad. Okay. Many of the towns were basically planned by the railroads because they needed, you know, customers and you know, grain elevators and uh, places for you know workers to live. And so, my understanding that the railroad was. The railroads were very instrumental. In fact, I think of farming or Midwestern farming as I knew it as a kind of a an experiment that was begun by an economic experiment that was begun by the railroads, and then and you know and then to some extent you wonder well has it run its course? Is that what happens when you see these the businesses um, emptying out of these towns and and the the farmhouses emptying out? You know? And that's what you're. Dad, did you say he worked for the? Railroad? He worked for the railroad, and then he worked for a hardware store. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, he did this thing where he would. Um, I, I believe this is him, but I think he would, you know, like hold a mailbag up on a, you know, a, kind of on a rack, and then the train could come in and get the mail without stopping. You know, they would slow down, yeah, and yeah. somebody would grab the bag, and he did that. He worked at a depot. And. D- and what, your mother, what was, what was she? She was a mother, and, um, and then she were, went to work eventually for the hardware store as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you had... She was a dispatcher. She was worked on radio. Is radio important? I mean, if I, a television and, and radio are uh, uh, important, or they mm-hmm. run through mm-hmm. um, the, the novel? Well, I like that because what happens with TV and radio is you can bring in something that reflects what's going on, but it could be just... You know, it's, it's kind of the sky's the limit. What can it be on a mm. on a TV, particularly? I mean, at some point, you know, Dan and Louise are watching like a documentary about bears or something. <laughs> you know, so all of a sudden you have bears in the story. You know, and it's like it's cool. And you know, and we did watch TV. You know, watched a fair bit of TV. So, can I ask about Dan, Dan and Louise? I mean, Louise, Louise perhaps just quickly first. Um, she seemed to embody a, a, something of. I don't know whether this is your ambivalence or just the, but say the novel's ambivalence about about the side of home that, um, in fact, probably was better expressed through. I think it's um, there's a point where Tiny comes back to Grouse County. Mm-hmm. So Tiny returned to Grouse County mm-hmm. as everyone did. Yes, and I think it's his sister. Is it BB? I can never pronounce it. BB. Yeah, his sister's BB. That's right. Um, who says she almost never came home. Right. And people were kind of impressed by that. that yeah, no, she was very successful. So. And so there's that idea of sort of leaving. And it's good to come home, but it's also good. <laughs> Not to come home and Louise. Seems well, to you know, it was interesting because some people were like very much, um, or I have talked to people who said like, I wish that Louise and Dan would have gone up and, and taken over the um, the fishing camp that belonged to her aunt, <clears throat> because they did feel, I think, some kind of uh, escape would have been uh, good for them. But I didn't really see it that way. <laughs> because I think I, I don't know. I mean, I like I like the the community, and I like the idea that they can go there, and if it's deficient in some ways, they can go there and and make it better, rather than fleeing. Uh, that's a lovely line. Um, the colours were vivid and real. 
but they felt that somehow they could see these scenes and no longer be part of them. Yeah. And again, that, and that was one of those lines that I felt could have described almost everyone in, in the novel, a sense of yeah. home, but also just constant displacement. Right. And, mm-hmm. But for them, that's a bit, for them to stay there, to, to, to try and reintegrate themselves, isn't it? was that an act of courage, will? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, to me, I think it was an act, oh, let's see, mm. was it courage? I mean, Dan's the sheriff. Um, he was re-elected. So for him to leave, it would mean stepping down as sheriff. And I couldn't see him doing that. Just as, I mean, it comes to the point in the novel where there's an election, mm. and it actually looks like it might be close. Yeah. With Johnny White, who is like a, basically the product of a TV advertising campaign. And it looks like Dan might lose, and I had to decide. And I thought he might. I mean, I was kind of... Yeah. But I, I ultimately thought, no, there's, there's no way they're, not, they're going to elect Johnny White. So, um, so he had to win. And then, so I think he felt, he would have felt I should stay. And there's a moment there when Louise is trying to get home and she's at a, this bus depot where all the buses have gone and they're not going to be anymore. I, and I think they're so not even the next day, maybe. Yeah. So she doesn't know what to do. And Dan shows up with the police cruiser to get her. And then they go home, you know. And I thought that was right. That felt right to me. One of the ways that the narrative worked was through encounters, uh, yeah. chance encounters, yeah. some planned encounters. Uh-huh. And, and it seemed to be encapsulated by Dan, not really sort of trying to be too flashy, puts a few signs up, but actually basically going out and meeting people, talking to them, yeah. people knowing who he is and yeah. who, knowing... And it, he felt almost like at that... Not quite like you at that point, but... He's not... I mean, he's, he's not a good... Uh, politician, I wouldn't mm. say. I mean, I think there's this, and you do see his ambivalence about uh, running for office. I think one of the lines that I think is true is that, uh, well, at some point, Claude Robichaud says, who is like an old time Democratic machine guy in the county, and he says, you know, in the old days, we tried in government to do good things for people. Now, why do we do that? Because our hearts are in the right place? No, our hearts are in the same place everywhere. Everybody's hard. But we try, we try to do that because that was the only way you got support. Right. Now he says it's all television. And nobody really knows who's in office anyway. And I think that's a, that was a commentary. And that was, you know, like, as we say, it was written 20 years ago. But I, but I think that there is, you know, it's like the bookmobile, right? They were doing something good for people. And I see less and less of that spirit. How, how do you as, a, as a, you know, as obviously our American politics are all messed up. I mean, it's, yeah, how do you feel? Do, yeah, no, I mean, I think like most people, uh, very optimistic when President Obama got elected, and I continue to be optimistic, or at least when he got reelected, just in, because of what the alternative would have been. But I think what we see is our politics are are basically proving to us that they they can be stopped. You know, that the whole thing can grind to a halt. And we, we're always flirting with shows, uh, what do you call it, shutdowns now. It's just antithetical to the idea, whatever idea was behind, you know, sending out the bookmobile in 1967. That's because we were going to get to the States, I think, just went, well, I think it was all the national parks closed down because there yeah. was that time. Yeah, there was a little bit... I see, I believed in all that stuff. Yeah. And I believe, you know, and I can remember when Kennedy was president and I don't and I always tried I'm always trying to sort of like figure out how much of this was just a popular fable about 
government and progress and good works and all that. And, and how much does it really align with the true story? And that's not something I can say with 100%, because, certainly because I'm no historian, but I do feel like even the idea of doing good things for people has been devalued. Even to, you know, to put that forward as a, as a goal is, is no longer as popular as it used to be, I think. What's, what's replaced it? Or what's devalued it? I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I really don't like to get into politics. What's replaced it? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's a sense that what happens, you know, what is left in 50 or 100 years is, is not too important and the main thing is to get what you can right now, mm. you know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, in the need for immediate profit, you know, businesses will jeopardize their continued existence. And the idea of having a business that would provide people with good, reliable income in, turn for, in return for work no longer seems to be the public ideal that it used to be. There's image and flash and oh, I don't know, sensationalism yeah, I and, and the other just being very good. I try not to pay attention to the image and the flash, okay. except the images that I see. I don't watch TV now. Why um, Because I really got, you know, it's like reading is, is like, became terribly important to me after, once I began to discover good literature. Well, and did that, did that begin with the, the bookmobile? Was that bringing... Yeah, um, clearly. Yeah. What were those, what were you, I was thinking when you said about the idea of the conversational novel that you wrote, what, what sort of things fed in into into the writing of the end of evangelism? Who were you? Um... Let's see. Well, the kind of voice, the narrative voice, is like I was reading uh, the brothers Karamazov, and that sort of voice of the narrator being someone who lives in the community and has access to everybody's stories, and kind of gives you a sort of a student of mine once said this, and I think it's very true. Uh, it gives, it provides. If you write that way, you kind of get a sort of omniscience, uh-huh. you know. And um, so that was a a big influence on me. Um, and I was reading the Shakespeare's plays because I was trying to learn Shakespeare. And um, so, and they, you know, that was another thing that I was reading during that time. I read Don DeLillo's White Noise, okay. you know, it was very, that was very, um, I love that book, and a lot of writers do. Interviewed Richard Russo, and he sort of talked about his books not being kind of cool and fashionable because they, it's parenthetical, digressive, they meander a little. Mm-hmm. But they, and he said they, they, I think he described the comic and, and sort of impolite. They don't, they don't announce its grand themes in the way I think particularly British writers have perhaps the same sort of right. tend to say, "Here is my book about the Second World War," or "Here are my grand narratives." In right. case you missed them, 
<laughs> right. See, I don't even try to write that way. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a theme. I let the theme, you know, emanate from the story. I try to make events that feel right to me in juxtaposition, and then see. And you know, you never even have to know exactly what it's about, you know. And I think every writer has experienced this, where somebody will point to a pattern of uh, images or events that go throughout the novel that you hadn't really known about, so and, you see, and you can see it in retrospect and you say, "Oh, yeah, that's true." But is there a sense of it? And, and I'm not not knowing which one. Oh, I suppose I'm probably something, but I think Rousseau was a little bit, a little bit chippy, and def- and there was a sense of promoting a kind of writing. And I think over here there's a writer, Howard Jacobson, who in different ways sort of promote is is an advocate, I think, for a, a particular kind of comic, digressive novel, a tradition uh-huh. that perhaps tends not to win prizes or to get the really big sort of critical. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, do you feel a certain kinship with? With, with that perhaps that your novels don't because they don't announce themselves perhaps don't always get the credit they yeah I don't know I mean you just make the art you can make you try to make the best use of your skills and your imagination and you know I, I'm really just trying to do the best job I can and I don't I'm not thinking about sales or or even more, any more, rec- I would like to have enough recognition to work. But beyond that... Um, it's pretty different, I suppose it's, I'm thinking it's particularly English context, that your novels are, I think, being, I think they're all being published for the first, pretty much the first time, I think, here. Uh, the End of Babylonism came out uh, in, from Minerva in 1990, maybe 1994. Okay. And then it hasn't been, it's been absent from the UK market for 20 years. And so it's, but there is a sense that somehow this is, this is a sort of Tom Drury, Tom Drury year officially, 2015, that, that your novel's going to... Oh, really? Is it the whole country? Yeah, I think so. Awesome, you know. Certainly my house mm-hmm. right now. Um, <laughs> I think it's tiring my, my <laughs> wife already, but, but there's a movie and... Yeah. It seems to be in sort of encapsulating a... Oh, I think if you stay around long enough, you know. Okay. And people will, um, you know, one is, is sort of constantly discovered. For 20 years, people have been discovering the end of vandalism. And and then there, with the other books coming in, you know, it's like you begin to actually create a body of work so you can have several books in it, you know, and then when you start getting translated, you can have, I mean, I've got, like, right now, I've got three different books coming out here and in Europe. Three different books, you know. So it's like, so yeah, talk about another. Yeah, one. so Monday you got to talk about another one. <laughs> <laughs> that was written more recently. Okay, but but um, but yeah. So I've had to re- familiarize myself. But no, I think just just if you're around long enough, people begin to you know, whatever um, readership you're going to find, uh, you begin to find it, and I think maybe that's happening a little bit. Do you need a I, wonder, I suppose I'm trying to connect it to the kind, certainly the kind of book this is, that, that it is quieter, it requires perhaps a bit more patience. It demands a bit of the reader, I think, to, mm-hmm. to, to, piece, uh, to piece those themes together and to, and to respond, I think, emotionally. It's, a, it's an emotional... Well, see, that's my, to me, though, this is like a collaborative process, you know, and it's like, I don't want to tell you what to think. Um, I want to present the 
the actions, the images, the dialogue as, as clearly as I can so that you can respond to it in the, just as I have or in a different way. I feel like that's uh, one of the joys of reading is to, to be a part of the creative process. And it's like when you're working on a novel, it's all between you and the book, right? But when the book is done, the transaction now becomes... You know, you're over here. That's why I say I feel like a representative of these characters rather than necessarily the author. You know, you're over here. That's the book and the reader. So now it's a new transaction. Mm. That's the, that's the connection. You know, that's the second part that makes it communication. It makes it storytelling. You know, it's like to and so yeah, I like to have something for the one of my favorite novels is um, Snow Country by uh, Yasunari Kawabata. It's just, and it's like very spare and poetic and very intense look at a relationship between a guy who comes from the city and visits this like resort and there's a, it's like, I don't know what she is exactly, she's sort of like an apprentice geisha or something. Anyway, it's a book full of mystery, it doesn't tell you what to think and I love it, you know. Um, I like that kind of spare elliptical style where there is an engagement of, of your imagination and your interpretive abilities as a reader. If you, if you start doing, for one thing, like if you become a creative writer with the idea that I want to make a whole lot of money. Well, maybe you don't have, you know, maybe this isn't the best choice, you know. Um, So I don't really think in terms of, uh, you know, how do I make something that's, that's going to be bought, you know, everywhere all the time. Because I don't read those things, you know. So, um, and, and I don't know, my writing is, it's a process in which I, you know, try to do my best to make good sentences and a sequence of events that is compelling and believable. And that's the goal. I like the episodic form, yeah. you know, like another book that I was reading um, when I was working on The End of Vandalism was recommended to me by Veronica Gang, who was my editor at the New Yorker. It was Dead Souls by Gogol. Oh, yeah. You know, which is wonderful and episodic. So many of my favorite novels are, you know, tend to be episodic. And I like epics, too. You know, and they tend to be episodic. Yeah. Is that because sometimes we misunderstand the way our own lives actually work, that in some of the way we were talking about dialogue? That mm-hmm. we Our lives are episodic. We... We, yeah. we experience things and, yeah. and, and, and the, in those quite often quite small things we can have big experiences I was thinking that there's, a lo- there's a lovely scene in the courthouse where they're debating about about King the, the dog right, right I was thinking this, but this is life and death right yeah. right here and we yeah. tend we want you know we think life and death can only be ISIS in, in Syria and yeah. but it can be the future of a rather than writing about international events you know, I try to write more about personal events 
and li individual lives. Because I find that I, you know, in these individual lives, there's like, you know, elation and sadness and death and birth and love and jealousy and cooperation and betrayal. Like everything, all the great sort of emotive, emotional transactions happen in individual lives wherever people are, come together. And so I, I do like to write about small towns. And, you know, and then when I wrote about Los Angeles, people said that it kind of has the feel of a small town, which it kind of did to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I try to, I, I, I tend to work with, um, I wouldn't say a small cast of characters because there's 68 people here, but they're all living within the county, and although some are trying to get away. felt perhaps a bit like you know sort of itinerant wanting to get out yeah um, um, well I will note that I Tiny and I have the same initials which yeah. I didn't really realize until I'd already named him but I think you know the way I describe it is if you had all the scenes of your life as, as visuals on a, a piece of glass and the glass broke and all the pieces fell on the ground and you started to just pick up things you're like this looks good and then you pick up something else from over here and this looks good next to that these are two things from far apart in your life but they work together and that's what writing fiction is about to me it's like taking it's like work making a mosaic of things you've either seen or heard or you know or simply dreamed up but I mean usually it has I try to figure out if I, I tend to trust those things which are anchored in my memory. In other words, that have been there for a long time. So that, and I, I can see where things come from. And, but they're transfigured. I mean, they're, they're, they're not in the order that they were at all. In, in fact, you know, and some will go to one character and some will go to another character. And, you know, I feel like Tiny and Dan are sort of, they would seem to be opposites. Mm. Louise, is, is, Louise is, is to me like the central figure, is mm. Louise, um, and the strong one. Maybe there's a feeling of, don't take yourself for less than you are. Don't, I mean, Louise's mother is always trying to get her to sort of, to be more engaged with life mm -hmm. and to think uh, think more highly of herself. Angels are, oh, she says, you, are, you have a beautiful face, an angel's face, to her daughter. And I think there is kind of a, a feeling of Louise is finding her place in the world. I mean, that's definitely happening throughout this novel. She, you know, you, we get the sense, I think, or you get the sense that I have the sense that that she was kind of a rebel child and like you know married tiny because everybody thought it was a terrible idea and um, but she's really she's stronger 
than that and than simply to be like reacting you know to to everyone else by sort of running around and doing wild things she's got she's got more of a role to play and then and this the story is the process of her finding that I think there's a lovely line which is she felt she'd strayed from the people she understood but then realized that yeah. she'd lived 12 miles where she was born yeah. yeah and it's it's both a grounding but it's, again it seems to fit this idea it's like sort of ambivalent feeling of, about this place that it's both yeah. a place that gives her a, a yeah I mean she's having a, this conversation with some woman who has like a horrible boyfriend and you know seems to miss him and she can't understand why you know and I think you know that if you think about her relationship to Tiny and to Dan there's some of that that would figure into her thinking at that moment because she can't understand why somebody would stay with someone who was not good to her right but she did you know with Tiny for seven years so so then I think that's what I mean. I think she's realizing that that she deserves to make a good life. Is it also that she finds someone who will allow her to do that? that mm-hmm. All of the slightly crazy yeah. ideas she has, he, he may not like them, but he allows her to... Right. And actually, there's something that, you know, I don't know. You can see why people like Louise, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I or I can, anyway. So yeah, I feel like there are parts of, you know, all of them that that are in some way connected to the life that I've had and the things that I've seen. I mean, it seems obvious. You know.